Welcome to the Beyond the Perimeter podcast. Podcast. The podcast where we discuss everything security. Each week, we cover the latest and biggest breaches to hit the news and talk to different security experts to learn about their experiences in the security industry. It's time for Beyond the Perimeter podcast with your host, Zev Brodsky. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Beyond the Perimeter podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything security. If you're a first-time listener, in each episode, we discuss the biggest breach in the past month and interview a different security expert to gain their insights and advice. In this episode, I'll discuss the U.S. cellular data breach and interview Alexander Zuch about his experience as a cybersecurity professor and teaching the future experts of information security. We'll end the episode with our security tip of the month. Now for the breach of the month. On January 4th, mobile network operator U.S. Cellular suffered a data breach after hackers gained access to its CRM and possibly viewed their 4.9 million customers' data. The company first noticed the breach on January 6th in which unauthorized individuals gained access to the customers' accounts. The retail employees were tricked into downloading malware software which allowed hackers to have access to customer names, addresses, billing details, and more. To protect their customers, U.S. Cellular said that the company not only removed the affected computers from the retail stores, but also made sure it was prevented from getting on the internet. Plus, the company reset all employee credentials in that store. As for customers, though their own login details have been changed and as well including their PIN number and any other security question and answer that had been set up, people are being asked to contact US Cellular to set up new details for their accounts. I interviewed Alexander Zuch to learn more about his experience in information technology and information security management and how he is currently teaching the future employees of cybersecurity. We're excited to have Alexander Zhuk on the podcast today. Alexander has more than 25 years of experience in information technology and information security management. Currently, he is an information security architect at Exani, an amazing young fintech organization that is quietly revolutioning global corporate markets using blockchain and smart contract technology. Additionally, Alex is a professor of cybersecurity at Yeshiva University in New York City. Prior to his role, Alex was a VP of information security at a bank, and before that, a CISO and a CTO at a fintech startup. Alex, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Zev, thank you very much. I'm really excited to be uh, joining you today. Thank you. To get started, how did you get started in security and IT? Well, actually, I started my professional career as a school teacher. Uh, This was in another country and a different language. But when I came to the U.S., I had to reset my career aspirations and goals and I became eventually a system admin, which was in around early 90s. Um, Then I got a chance to work for one of the largest financial institutions in the world and became responsible for, well, back then that was Windows NT servers and eventually Microsoft Active Directory, which by itself is all about access controls and protections. And that has became part of my daily job well before it became a a sort of a fancy term of IT security. Where do you get the interest to really into the security uh, space and the IT space? It's all about what's important for the business. I think when you step back and, and think, why are we even bothering protecting the assets, right? It always begins with understanding what we have and how we protect that while also making sure that the business can operate smoothly. And so that very intricate dynamic, which acquires an amazing level of complexity when you talk about large enterprises, is what drove me in. I mean, it's one way to block the system. It is totally different way to keep it secure for 
hundreds of thousands of people across the world operating from different environments, from different backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera, and have this machinery operate smoothly. It's a totally fascinating experience. And that is, I think, what drove me to information security space. Over your career, you've experienced different changes in the IT and security space. Like you said, you know, you worked in different positions, different kinds of companies, different sectors, from banking to tech, you know, to technology. Uh, what do you feel most has changed in cybersecurity over the past, let's say, few years or decade? I think there are many changes uh, we have seen as information security practitioners, but one that I find totally fascinating and how and welcome it very much is that it became less and less of a, a boys club of sorts. We now see more and more brilliant women coming in into leadership and practitioner positions in information security. And it's absolutely fascinating. And I think it's wonderful because we need that level-headedness and we need that balance that women bring to any field of life or profession which they decide to enter. I totally agree. You know, we need, like, there was that lacking of women in security, but we're really seeing in the past few years uh, huge emphasis. We've had some guests on this podcast who are very active in the uh, different uh, different organizations. I think Cyber Ladies is one of them. I think that I can't remember the other names, but would you say that so the past two years, it's really seen that strong increase of, of more females and more minorities in security? Or do you think it's really been a like a five five year kind of increase? As every fundamental change, it begins slowly. I think, uh, yes, I think that there was a buildup of that change of that groundswell, if you will, in who works in information security and the sort of people who get hired because they can excel and they do excel in this field. So I am sure that there were, as I think about it, I can think of information security leaders, females who have been operating in the space for the last 20 years, but they were exceptions. It's wonderful to see that minorities and and, and women are no longer exceptions in cybersecurity. In fact, I welcome the time when, well, you know, they become a majority. Do you see with the recent hire for, uh, just nothing too political, but Joe Biden, where he chose a woman to be head of his cybersecurity, I think it is like a huge step for women in security. Definitely, definitely. This provides an opportunity for those women who oftentimes by nature feel that they just, are not ready yet, not good enough, that provides an opportunity to see, here you go, here's a leader, here's a government level official who is a female and is leading an important job. And that's great. I totally agree. It's, you know, seeing someone as a role model for uh, women that are looking to join uh, cyber. So someone who is now, like you said, you're a, you're a professor of cybersecurity at Yeshiva University. What made you decide to take your 25 plus years of experience in security and IT and become a professor to teach the young minds that are looking to join the security space? Thank you. Well, you know, from a lifelong learning perspective, we all know that if one really wants to learn something, the best way to do so is by teaching it. I also think of the words of great American poet, Maya Angelou. She once said, when you learn, teach. When you get, give. Um, well, in the life of every professional, there comes a time when teaching becomes an imperative or even a moral duty. My professional success is a co-creation of many great mentors and teachers. And I feel compelled and extremely satisfied in the, the ability to pass on what I have learned to others. 
just to get kind of maybe some kind of example, what when you're as a professor, what kind of experiences or would say courses are you teaching to the young up and up and coming security experts? We'll call as a one of the founding men, the members of the Yeshiva University faculty. I've been given an absolutely amazing opportunity to contribute from different aspects of shaping an information security professional. My academic credentials and my formal education is related to leadership in information technology and information security. So I've had an opportunity to teach a class uh, in leadership. I also developed a class on the topics of cyber security, cyber war, and cyber warfare and cyber crime. Another fascinating topic that I think information technology and information security professionals must um, be uh, very well versed in. I totally agree. We really, you know, when going into security, you need to know that all the different aspects. What kind of security positions do your students tend to to get or to take after finishing, you know, the different courses at uh, at Yeshiva University? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. First of all, I'm proud to say that the graduates of our program have a very, very high rate of being placed in in the cybersecurity position, which I think is remarkable by itself. But in terms of ranges, we've seen students become employees of up and coming fintechs and and other startups, uh, startups in information security space. We also had uh, a graduate of our program become uh, a consultant for one of the world's most sought after and most high level uh, management and professional consulting firms. So this is a it's remarkable to see one of your students go and begin their professional lives in that sort of organizations. I totally agree. It's seen kind of a, a stepping stone for their careers in security. And like you said, a lot of them are being placed. So they're really getting the opportunity like right after uh, graduating uh, from your guys' program. For now, a few years, there's been different reports coming out saying there's a massive shortage of security experts. Why is the security space so behind when it comes to employee talent? Uh, well, from my vantage point as an information security practitioner and a professor uh, who is charged and was helping his graduates to find employment, I'd like to paraphrase the words of Mark Twain. He once said that the rumors of his death are greatly exaggerated. I think that the rumors of the talent shortage are greatly or at least somewhat exaggerated. And I think there are several reasons for this. At the very systemic level, I think for many, many years, there has been sort of a continuous emphasis on machine-like replacement. Whenever a person leaves, there is often a desire to replace that person with the exact similar copy. That never happens. I mean, if you're looking for somebody with 25 specialized skills and, and knowledge of internal standards, well, you're going to keep looking. What happened, I wonder, in those cases was the fact that we know that no two human beings are the same. What happened was the fact that we know that hu- humans are homo sapiens, the learned being, the, the wise being. I think we that's part of the problem. We need to know and need to allow for the fact that people we are looking to onboard in the field, and not just in cybersecurity, but everywhere, could be different. In fact, that's wonderful because they will bring those fresh perspectives that we may be lacking without even realizing that. There is another point, and that is, you know, I have seen a number of qualified individuals 
told me stories about the fact that they have tried and, and, and they made a huge effort and effort that took them time, preparation, et cetera, et cetera. They still could not even get an interview. In fact, on LinkedIn, I remember reading something about somebody who is quite senior and well-known expert in the field who was asked by a C-level executive to apply. And then we, when he did, he got a rejection within minutes from either an automated system or some junior assistant, which said, well, sorry, you don't meet our qualification requirement. So that made me think that I think as information security professionals, we should introduce a practice of penetration testing our hiring process. How about trying to apply for the very role that you can't fill for many months and see if you can get a call back, not to mention an interview. And if you can't, I think you have a problem. This is the sort of problem that we need to solve. Yes, I know that there are certain positions that are hard to fill. Yes, I know that there are certain technical skills that are in demand and looking for professionals with these skills takes time and effort, but they are there. Also, you know, we can spend hours and hours talking about business value and how it is important to uh, promote the risk-informed culture, etc. But for some reason, when we onboard even junior information security professionals or in professionals in the field of compliance um, and audit, maybe, we don't consider people with very strong business experience and skills, those people who live and breathe business value and business risk. Why don't we try doing that? I think there are plenty of opportunities. This world is a world of plenty. Let's just see it like that. You you also, like, you brought up two really great points that people are not really getting the opportunity. Like you said, for the example, someone who was a very well-known senior got, you know, was rejected very quickly. Do you think that it's also not just the shortage of talent, but do you think that what's lacking is that um, organizations are not open for people learning on the go? Because security in IT, I take it, you know, from you by experience on like, you started in a very, you know, your admin position and you learned on the way. Do you feel that organizations should be more open for people to gain experience on the go and really, you know, become experts inside the, that organization? Absolutely. First of all, internal mobility it offers not only opportunity, but it also improves retention and giving people the opportunity to shift into information security space uh, from adjacent areas. Well, whether it's IT or you know business risk functions, it's not only natural, it's beneficial. It brings that level of perspective that we often lack and, and, and could benefit from. Uh, so yes, absolutely. And then externally, I think there is a certain level of fascination for various other reasons. There is a belief that, look, the onboarding process is very labor intensive. And so organizations look for these multiple levels of automation. But the result of it, that qualified talent is being filtered out before they can enter the door. So much so that sometimes it feels, I've heard it many times, in the media to be referred to as the war for talent. What I have heard and seen in the field oftentimes is the war on talent. Qualified people do not get in. 
And by the way, let's not forget that the, uh, well, the age discrimination and certain level of other discrimination are still somewhere and, uh, well, unfortunately alive in certain places. Yes, you're seeing it, the age discrimination, you know, it's, it's very, it's very well known. I think the past few years, you're get, it's getting, a, it's getting better because people need those experienced workers and, you know, and a lot, like, while a lot of the technology is changing when it comes to security networking, it's still very, has the same like policies and the very same steps to get to stuff, things uh, solved. Um, getting back to education, uh, educating, what can security experts do to educate people looking to join the security space? Thank you. Well, I think I, w- I would like to expand on my earlier comment. And I, I would like to say that it, as often is the case, it begins with ourselves. Look around. And first of all, to see what, what people, what sort of people that are willing to enter the space and what people, maybe our stereotypes and preconceptions are not allowing us to see as great candidates. I think that is the beginning of it. But then overall, well, if you do know and feel that you can contribute as a practitioner, don't critique some of the areas in the academia or see what you can contribute. It's, it's the Gandhi's words, right? Be the difference you would like to see in the world. So if there is a problem, whether you see there is maybe uh, a less than a robust academic program, which may be lacking certain basic skills, reach out to the program directors and say, hey, would you like somebody like me with those level of experience to contribute be an active participant don't be sitting on the bench and from the uh, vantage point of the you know high benches critique the situation in the space so really just taking action and you know really volunteering yourself to instead of just saying oh these things are not right when you guys are teaching we actually say be part of it and show and and teach the people how to what they should be really learning and what they should be doing when it comes to security. One of the last questions, what's your advice for listeners who are looking for a career in in cybersecurity and IT? I've referred to several quotes. I think Henry Ford said it best in this case. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think if, if you're a school teacher and you want to enter cybersecurity, do it. I have done it. It takes some time, but so it is possible. If you think that you're that student who uh, had background in liberal arts or other fields, but you want to start an information security uh, career, do it. Reach out to a person who is in this field now and be very simple, be very transparent, be honest. Say, hey, you're awesome. I would like to become one of you, like you, in the future. Can you guide me? Better yet, find several people like that and establish your mentorship board. Make them your guides for your career journey. Do not wait for certain ephemeral level of perfection, of readiness. You're ready now. Do that. And as the field does have a certain level of shortage and demand, so... We are waiting for you. Come in, inquire. If you need 
reach out to people like me, reach out to me. I'm always happy to help and guide. There is no reason not to try. That's, uh, that's great advice. Speaking of reaching out, where can people find you online if it's from LinkedIn, Twitter, or different, or any other security kind of blogs or publications? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best way to find me. As part of my, uh, you can also find me as a faculty member on Yeshiva University page, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. Thanks so much, Alexander, for really taking the time and providing your expertise when it comes to about educating the future of cybersecurity and through your experiences and through your great quotes. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Zef. It's my pleasure. Now for security tip of the month. Don't underestimate your company's value to hackers. Small companies may kid themselves into believing their operation isn't big enough to merit a full-scale security solution. But cyber attacks have not only become more common, they've also grown and become more sophisticated. Some hackers will steal one company's identity in order to gain access to another company. Small businesses can also stand to lose intellectual property, research, or sensitive customer data. There are two types of companies, one that's been hacked and one that's about to get hacked. Better to be safe than sorry. That's this month's episode of the Beyond the Perimeter podcast. Don't forget to join us next month for another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening. 